This time on episode 352 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Luke Cage season 2, episode 13, They Reminisce Over You. We talk weekly Marvel news, and we talk your feedback. I'm Ryan from the Dad.io podcast, a show dedicated to dorky dads everywhere. Part of the Gonna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other dadalicious geeky shows at gonnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Haley. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm the producer of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, October 1st, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Harlem-wide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Homemade Cookies Day. I think that's a day we can all get behind. I had store-bought cookies today to celebrate. My mom, and for those of you that don't know, I was on vacation for the past two weeks, but my mom, the night before I left, she made homemade chocolate chip oatmeal cookies because they're my daughter's favorite for me to take to her, and they were good. That sounds excellent. So you're saying your daughter didn't get any? Oh. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) She actually got as many as she wanted, and then she returned what she didn't want to me because... She is trying to watch what she eats. She's a nursing student. And so she gave me the rest and they were good. You're like, if I must, I'll take the hit for the team, I guess. I know, I know. So, but that was it for the week. That was the only cookies that I got because, you know, calories and everything. Once you get 50, once you get to the ARP mm-hmm. age, you got to watch it. Calories don't count if you keep your eyes closed. Also, yesterday, we happened to just miss International Podcast Day. Uh, yes, International Podcast Day, which you can find information on it at internationalpodcastingday.com. And yeah, it was great. Although I podcast it, it starts a day early now because it's actually September 30th for like New Zealand when it's September 29th. So technically I did, but that was on another show. Mm. But yeah, I saw that yesterday and I thought of y'all. We have podcasted on International Podcasting Day before. I remember that. I vaguely remember that. I couldn't tell you what year it happened, but I know it's happened. (laughs) It was a few years ago. I don't think it happened last year. Anyway, yep, lots of great things going on. And I was reading the International Day calendar website, and there was a whole big, huge block on it, how the butter has to be soft. And if you don't have soft butter, how to make soft butter. This is actually a huge thing. If you ever watch like Nailed It or Great British Bake Off or any cooking shows like that, soft butter and hard butter have been the downfall of so many bakers. It's very stressful. If the softness of the butter is the only mistake in my homemade cookies, I would be thrilled. (laughs) 
true, but Paul Hollywood's not standing in front of you with like a death stare. So as someone who's cooked, who's someone who ignored that's like, oh, it doesn't really matter. It matters. It really, <laughs> really does. It does. Yeah. And we're not talking about the like the fake margarine that you can get that's soft. We're talking about actual butter butter. Now I'm hungry. Yeah, and that we've got that little educational spot about cookies in. We're going to move on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes in general. Because of El Beso de la Araña. If you would like to talk about Kiss of the Spider, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail about the last time you used the Kiss of the Spider at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. You can go on Facebook and, and tell us. Your, I'm sorry. I just realized after I said it. Oh, no, they're going to have to say a thing after me. <laughs> you can look us up on Facebook at Legends of Shield podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can find our videos on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. Join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. And as the only guy on this podcast, I have to say I'm scared bejeebies out of me because of this kiss of the spider with you three <laughs> ladies around. It's just, ugh, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not the only one returning this week. Lauren, you are also returning. It's so great to have you back on the show. Yes, I am so glad to be back. I've missed everyone. I've had so many opinions that I haven't been able to share. I'm just, I'm very happy to see all of y'all. I've missed you. I've missed you so much. And I'm very happy to actually be able to sit for the whole time we podcast. It's great. For those who don't know, I had back problems and surgery and I'm good now. Yay, Yay. for healthy back. <laughs> All right. With that, let's move on into the main event of this show, which is the finale of Luke Cage. Luke Cage Season 2 was released to Netflix on June 22nd, 2018. All 13 episodes, including the one that we're going to talk about tonight. Lauren, why don't you start running down the creative team of They Reminisce Over You. All right. We're starting with the director, Alex Garcia Lopez, who has 17 directing credits starting in 2008, including three of Misfits, one of Fear the Walking Dead, one of The Exorcist, seasonally appropriate, one of Luke Cage, two of Cloak and Dagger, two of Daredevil, one of The Punisher, one of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, also seasonally appropriate, and two of The Witcher. Is The Witcher seasonally appropriate? I mean, kind of. There's yeah. monsters, <laughs> monsters and witches and witchers. Okay, we'll, we'll run with that. So Haley, why don't you write, run down the writer of the episode? Uh, this episode was written by Cheo Hodari Coker, who is also the showrunner. He has 13 writing credits starting in 2004. Those credits include five episodes of Southland, three episodes of NCIS Los Angeles, one episode of Almost Human, one of Ray Donovan, and five of Luke Cage. And of course, Cheo Hodari Coker is the showrunner for both seasons of Luke Cage. So thank you very much for bringing this phenomenal piece of work 
to us, Cheo. They Reminisce Over You is the title of the episode, and we often equate the title of the episode to the meaning of the episode or the theme of the episode, and for that, we go to our resident expert, which is Haley. So what do you got for us this week, Haley? I feel like I had a good streak of actually doing really good and thoughtful, insightful things about the title, but I don't know, just kind of, you remember those that have passed? We get a little bit of remembering pop and like the rules of the street kind of thing. That's the one that comes to mind mostly. I would say all the callbacks and all the other references to other films and works and songs and stuff out there too. That that would fit in there. So Lauren, what do you think? Well, there's also the fact that every episode this season is named after a Pete Rock and CL Smooth song. So you can find that song. They reminisce over you anywhere you can find music, I suppose. And Michelle, who were you reminiscing over when you were watching this? That's an odd question. Um, It's very interesting when you watch over this and you're thinking about the past. And, you know, we have the rise and fall of so many people. This sort of like almost from last week when we got shades talking about all of that type of stuff. And that sort of like bleeds into this episode. Like all the things that have come before has built up until now. It's great how all the criminals, when they sign their deals, they never really project forward what could happen. And they, in this show, in this series anyway, it always comes back to bite them. So that was pretty cool. And with that, let's start talking about the fall of some characters. Let's talk about the fall of Mariah Stokes. Mariah Stokes. Just, I love that this whole season. It was great with Bushmaster saying that. It starts with her arrangement speech, which had some. Remember, this was 2018 when this was actually put out there. And they had a lot of Katrina references, which goes back to, I believe, 2005. 2005, yeah. September, I believe, 9th or 5th, 2005. I live kind of in that general area. It was a big deal. And also there was some homages to a few good men in her speech, too, with you want me on that wall, you need me on that wall sort of thing. I was like, oh, this is starting really strong here. But yeah, she was very conceited in that speech. I think we've learned that about her, that she's a big fan of herself. I've really, really loved over the course of the series to watch her grow from someone who's, you know, she's a shady politician, but whatever. To somebody who, yeah, absolutely is a fan of herself, believes in herself. I was thinking yesterday while I was binging all the episodes because I'm very behind on all my TV watching. I think the antagonists on Luke Cage are my favorites of any of the MCU TV shows, particularly Mariah, because she is someone that you can look at her and you can see every step she took on that journey and you're like well i guess i can see myself doing something similar in similar choices until you know it comes down to say burning someone alive or anything like that but you definitely see her grow in confidence you see her grow in her power her sense of self her sexuality alfrey woodard killed it both seasons so mariah's acting as well as Alfred, 
her acting and the character is always great. Like when they were having the little protection games in the prison where she went from the scared woman to just taking complete control and killing people and saying it's my prison now sort of thing and, and going on. So that's not the first time that she's done it. She's done it several times. So she's learning the ropes as to how she can manipulate situations and come out on top and then take the initiative to come out on top and to control things. Wonderful character, but she is kind of delusional herself. Yeah. And she's delusional and she had a career got taken and she tries to rebuild herself and she tries to rebuild herself in prison. And she's starting to, again, delude herself that she can be a queen of prison. It's like, lady, you've been there two days. You know, you got to check yourself. That's not going to have lasted as long as you think it was, especially if you were going to be there long term. Because taking the Mariah Stokes street name that you tried to polish, you got to remember, you try to, you know, be good on the outside and try to rebuild that into something menacing on the inside. Even if she lived, it wasn't going to go as planned. Can I make a really weird metaphor with that? So something that struck me about her was that Shades calls it out. She ignores the rules. So there's this. Okay. For those who don't know, I do audiobook narration, mostly romance. And there is this thing that happens every so often in romance where an author who is like, oh, I've never read romance, but I'm going to come down and write the best romance novel at all. And the thing is, that doesn't work. You have to know the rules before you can break them. If you're just barging in, you're, I mean, it's going to be a big mess. And that's kind of where she is right now. She thinks she has an idea of what this is supposed to be. And she just messes it up. She messes it up for everyone. She messes it up for herself. She also cleans the slate. She takes out everybody except for her daughter and sugar. Everybody else is taken out. She tries to take out shades. She doesn't end up taking out shades, but that's ends up being taken out because she died and his deal is no longer there, but she wipes everything out. And it's all these characters that we have come to know with the gang there. They're just all gone, including Alex. I think Alex was the hardest one there to stomach. Yeah. Were any of you upset at Tilda? For at least not trying. It's like I knew Tilda was angry at her mom and she knew her mom was up to no good. And I mean, she knew Alex. That she didn't save Alex? Yeah, she didn't even try. She didn't want anybody around to be a obstacle for her to take over in her mom's shoes. She wanted to make sure that she was on top when that happened. I feel like part of it is also she didn't want any connections to her mom left. And she kind of felt like Alex brought it on himself. Like he was involved with what she was involved in. He was not naive or unaware that she was up to some shady stuff. And he brought it on himself is kind of her viewpoint. As she lies to Misty Knight about hiding Bushmaster. And (laughs) I just love that where she just is like, You've got to, you know, you want to snoop around? You've got to get a warrant. And Misty just turns to her and is like, there's your mama. So the final chats with Mariah were just phenomenal in the 
prison, you had Shades, you had Tilda, you had Luke Cage, and then ultimately Luke Cage is the last one with her. He said, I'm going to be the last one to leave you. Technically, she left him, but uh, that was prophecy coming out, and then she's no more. And then uh, ultimately, we get the will and testament, which is a slap in the face to a lot of characters, but also so well done that it was nice to see. Anyway, then we've already started talking about the rise of Tilda. I think season three, if there was going to be a season three, Tilda was going to be a major character, probably working in conjunction with Luke as things went on. Oh, I don't think she wouldn't have been with Luke. Oh, when she walked in, when she went into the Harlem's paradise and went into the office and sat where Cornell and did the song, I think she was catching a little bit of that mama delusion there and thinking that she was going to inherit or perhaps have some sort of influence. And Luke has it. When she comes in at the end, she does not have the I am a Luke Cage fan look on her face. No, he stole her throne. Yeah. Something I loved in that the will reading scene, the actress who plays Tilda, whose name I just blanked out on, she's fantastic. She's hilarious. She's one of the writers for and an actress on Black Lady Sketch show on HBO. Just the fury in her face, the twitching, the little muscle twitches. That was fantastic. I loved that. I adored that. Well, and Mariah, like, Tilda didn't want this. She didn't want anything to do with the Stokes family at all. And Mariah was like, no, go there, be in touch with your heritage and where you come from. And then she was like, and now you don't get this. Yeah, because she told her after she had had the will. No, she wrote the will after she told her. Yeah. All season long, it's been mommy. And Mariah knew. I don't know if she realized that her daughter just did a, you know, a pull the Game of Thrones thing. I'm sure the poison by lipstick has been done before, but I think a lot of people is going to, you know, the whole Game of Thrones thing. Yeah. I didn't know if she was doing the lipstick or she's going to like take her mom cookies. I wasn't sure which way she was going to do it. When I watched it the second time, this was obviously the second time I was watching her stir the things in the pot and it was definitely red and it was liquidy and stuff so it was like oh that's glossy that's like lipstick oh i know what that (laughs) is so i had to like backtrack a couple times and i figured it was going to be something like this because she's always talking about nightshade they're always talking about nightshade her character in the comics is lady nightshade so i'm pretty sure that the beso de la araña stuff was so there's a huge variety of nightshade species In fact, things like tomato, I believe, are a variety of nightshade. However, the one that everyone thinks of with nightshade is Atropa belladonna, which is deadly nightshade, or just belladonna. And that one has atropine in it. That's why it's Atropa belladonna. Atropine is a type of poison. It's called an anticholinergenic. And what it does is it messes with your parasympathetic nervous system. So when we see her, you know, coughing up the blood, that's one of the things it does is it, well, maybe not specifically coughing up blood, but your blood pressure spikes. Like usually there's like the pressure in your eyes spikes and you get like eye bleeds and things like that. So I think the base of that was Atropa belladonna and the rest is hand wavy 
comic book stuff to make it work like that. Because that's not how actual atropine poisoning looks. It was magic jungle nightshade. As good a way to think of it as any, really, because it can only grow in one place, right? So, Haley, what did you think about Tilda doing kind of the same thing that her mom did and said, it's Tilda Johnson? I was wondering if there was somewhere that the name Johnson was supposed to have come from, because... Oh, the the people who fostered her. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Because I was trying to... It's It's been a while. I don't. I didn't remember the details. Thank you. And this was after she learned the whole thing about her parent history and, and everything. So she decided to get rid of Stokes whatsoever and just go with Johnson. She still is who she is. It's not going to mm-hmm. change her DNA or who her parents actually were. But for her, appearances might be meaningful. Well, and it's again, it, she wants to cut ties to the Stokes name. And like she's learned that the name Dillard was a lie. She doesn't want to be Stokes. So Johnson's where she's going. And that's where I think she's a bit delusional because she's all like the last Stokes died. I'm Tilda Johnson. And yet she waltzes right into the Harlem paradise looking like she did there at the end. Talking about parents, let's talk about Luke Cage's dad for a second. Now, Lauren, you've been wanting to talk about this since the first episode, really. But let's talk about the actor and the character here. So Reg E. Cathay, he is not a newcomer to the Marvelverse. He was also Sue and Johnny Storm's dad in the Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie that we didn't review. But he was also, I mean, the guy had, I was looking up the the credits, like just a huge long list of IMDb credits. I, before this, I mostly remembered him from House of Cards and he was a fantastic actor. He died, I think, right around, like, shortly after filming on this stopped. This was his last live-action role on IMDb. He also has, like, two voice credits in something that was released in 2019. But, yeah, the fact that the end of the episode, the series, with his voiceover, you know, kind of the Uncle Ben with great power, but also with the always forward in memoriam, it made me very emotional. With the voiceover at the end, I forgot it was there. That was very impactful because I knew that was the last time we were going to get to see or hear him, not only because of Luke Cage being canceled, but also Reg wasn't around anymore to make any more series or films or anything. So it was an interesting season with him and his, the character's desire to be closer and closer to Luke. And in the end, he just decided I'm going to go home and this place is not for me. I want Luke to come with me. And of course Luke doesn't. So they go their separate ways and there'll never be a reconciliation unless they recast the character, which I just don't think they're going to do. Of course, Luke Cage is canceled. So there is that as well. They did get some closure, you know, with mm-hmm. each other. So it wasn't, it's not like a big, you know, some like big plot thread that if they didn't pick it up in season three would be disappointed in because they did have really good moments and they did have like that apology and reconciliation. I like their talk at the ambulance after the hit at the Rand Corporation where he's like, I thought you'd never ask because Luke said, are you hungry? And it's like, I thought you'd never ask. That was like that whole conversation made me cry. It was big. 
Another secondary character that really came through in this episode was DW. He ends up confronting Luke at the end. We'll talk about Luke in a second, but DW ends up confronting Luke and just taking the Switzerland approach with Pops's barbershop, actually turning it back into a barbershop. We, we don't see it active, but we see the steps that DW is taking in order to do that. And, you know, if anybody was deserving of that, that was left because fish is gone. I think it was DW. What do you think about that, Michelle? Mm-hmm. I think it's very appropriate. We see him in the barbershop since the beginning of the season. He's been selling Luke Cage this and all that type of stuff. And it's really good to see that he was like saving that money. He had plans. And I think those plans solidified once he realized Luke's path, which I know we're going to talk about. It's perfect for him to take that back and to rebuild Switzerland. That character had an amazing arc. And again, there's so many amazing arcs throughout this series. He starts off as somebody who, you know, trying to be tougher than they were. Luke had to save him. And then from there, we see, you know, the hero worship and trying to monetize Luke. And it's kind of instrumental in Luke being, you know, the the legend of Luke Cage being brought down to earth. And we see his hero worship. He goes from kind of indifference to hero worship to disillusionment. I would have loved to see him partially being responsible for Luke's, you know, whatever face turn in any season three that we would have gotten or him, you know, finding faith in something else. Or that's one of those things that I'm mad that we won't get to see. Yep. I think dw's path was going to be a good one the other actor or character that i want to talk about before we get into the luke cage story is sugar sugar's been there all along he started to finally break from the stokes when she was going to do the murder in the restaurant he ends up aligning over the course of a few episodes with luke cage and in the last episode we really get into the character of sugar really setting him up for the next season i don't know if it was necessary to do it here or not but i really enjoyed that mini journey with sugar so Haley, what did you think about that whole thing with sugar one of the things i really liked from mariah was her being like you know not sugar because he gave me his wife's clothes her having that moment of softness for somebody who did something kind to her Kind of takes you back to who Mariah wanted to be before she committed to being Queen of Harlem. I love it. Well, because we're we're getting set up for having Luke be King of Harlem next year or next season in the season we're not going to get. And probably him going down the less righteous path. It would have been nice to see Sugar. He's like the constant henchman for whoever's ruling Harlem. And just an, an interesting guy. I didn't really see Sugar as being like the second in command of an entire organization. He wasn't a Shades. He wasn't a Sheldon. He just didn't seem to have it in him, but he was loyal to Luke. That's interesting that you brought up. He's just loyal to whoever's ruling. And you think he'd be loyal to Luke to the last? Or you think if things changed, he'd switch alliances? I think my first impression is he'd switch alliances, but I started thinking, and if Luke had done something to like something big in the season three, we're never getting, I think that could be 
like a redemption path for him. I have a lot to say about sugar, but that leads into some stuff that I have to say about Harlem in general and Jamaicans in New York. And so I'll wait on that. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that because I do want to get to that. The whole Bushmaster arc and everything like that. I'll say one more thing about sugar before we move on. He kind of was just by the circumstances of his life. He ended up on the wrong side of the law, but he was never really cruel or he, he didn't take great joy in being a criminal or anything like that. It's just kind of where he ended up. So I think he always like he worked for like the big crime organizations, but he's like, and I'm the driver. I'm the guy that stands there and looks scary, but he didn't really do a lot. And I think that's why he was willing to move on from the Stokes family to Luke, because he's like, finally, I'll be working for somebody who's not asking me to do things that I don't want to do. It's like going from working at Amazon to going to work at like Trader Joe's. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he definitely wasn't asked to throw anybody off a building. He wasn't asked to murder anybody in a restaurant. He didn't have to set anybody on fire yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the rise of King. We'll call him King Luke. I mean, you could call him Sheriff Luke Cage, but I think the dictator thing was out there. King Luke. It starts with the Italian negotiation, which was interesting. He just goes in, busts a bunch of bones, basically, and and gets to the head of the Italians and makes a deal, makes a square around Harlem. Don't come around here. Do you think that makes him a a gang boss? I think... It starts him on the slippery slope, for sure. Michelle, what do you think? Yes. Um, You don't go in and face an Italian like that and then break fingers and look coldly right right in her eyes and breaking fingers. And, you know, DW was right. If you're going to be the boss of crime, you're going to be a crime boss. And when he gets Harlem Paradise... That final scene, which I don't know if we want to go there because I have a lot to say about the final shot with Luke and the Godfather. Because, okay, here's the thing. Sometimes when you write something or you film something, you might make an accidental reference to something. Dear audience, the Godfather is an iconic movie. Um, The Colleone name was actually dropped. DW actually called him Luke Colleone. So the moment where Luke is there at the desk. Sugar is whispering to him. Misty leaves the room. The other guy closes the door and you see Misty's there and the door is being closed on her. That is what happens at the end of Godfather when Michael and his wife Kay are talking. He tells Kay, you can ask me this one time about my business. And she's like, did you do this? And he just looks at her cold and says, no, we all know that's a lie. Kay comes out. Um, starting to get a drink. And then in the office, there's Michael. Someone's people are there conducting business. And the person at their door looks right at Kay and shuts the door. It's an iconic scene. If you're thinking, oh, no, this is no. This is, you know, Misty is the law. And that is being shut. He tells Misty, I'm going to enforce the unwritten laws when you can enforce the written ones. Which, you know, who determines that? He is becoming a boss in that way. And that's why I think season three was going to be Misty versus Luke. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you pointed that out. The Godfather is like my family's New Year's movie. 
So I've seen that movie at least once a year, every year since I was like 10. So we've got the fall of King Luke. And at the very end, he's saying, tell Claire to go home. We don't see Claire out there. I know. I rewinded just to see if I had missed her. Yeah, she wasn't credited. And like we talked about before, her exit from the entire universe was that terrible scene which she acted very well in we talked about this before but then it was never returned so i think maybe they had plans for her to come back and then they just dropped it yeah and then disney plus happened yeah they knew they were going to cancel the universe and now she i don't know if it's confirmed or not i saw a lot of news stories in the last couple of weeks but she's going to be in the mandalorian yes is Mm. this confirmed i don't know i'm pretty sure it's confirmed I'm pretty down on her because of the Uh, whole transphobia stuff. Let's talk about a couple of the other things before we get into the generalities. Misty, we talked about her left, right, and backwards. We have already seen Iron Fist, which is a series that comes after this, and she is still mulling over whether she wants to become captain or not. But basically, at the end of this series, she's acting very much like the captain of the precinct. She's finally tying up most of her loose ends i don't think she's got any left uh, other than looking after luke cage right yeah she looks at him and it's like i will not pull any punches if you start acting a fool i will come after you again that's why i think that's that was going to be season three it's going to be luke luke was trying to going to pull a michael and try to make the family legitimate and no matter what he was you know it's going to stumble Like, we really haven't had a really down, complete destruction of Luke as the hero. Yes, in this season, you know, he kind of, quote unquote, died when Bushmaster, you know, tossed him off the bridge and a little rebirth. But I think season three, he really would have, like, hit this rock bottom sort of deal and really had to, like, work toward redeeming him himself toward the end. I really think that's what season three was going to be. Amusingly enough, in Godfather, one of the big things that especially became a thing in Godfather 2, there was this whole thing. It's this whole speech in Godfather 1 where Don Corleone, the you know one played by uh, Marlon Brando, was saying, no, we don't do drugs. We don't deal in drugs. We deal in honest stuff like guns. And then in Godfather 2, Fredo Corleone, who is trying to get them established in Vegas, gets them into drugs. And that's what causes like partially what causes Michael to kill him. And we see that again with Mariah here at first. It was, you know, Mama Mabel back in the day was like, you know, no drugs. And here she's getting into drugs. And that's part of what gets Shades to abandon her. It kind of makes you wonder. We've set up all these pieces over the course of the Defender series with the um, the heroine and with, the, you know, uh, Mariah not getting into drugs, getting into selling drugs, and Luke trying to keep that, okay, so I may be doing shady stuff, but I'm doing it on good terms. So I'm, I'm oh, again, I'm so angry we didn't get to see Godfather Luke Cage. And Misty would have been a big part of that, but in the meantime, she's arrested Shades, Mariah is dead, the Stylers are no more, Luke's made this deal, so crime is almost non-existent in Harlem. So she's actually doing pretty good other than looking at Luke Cage. So I think it was a decent ending point for her. But then we see her in Iron Fist 
trying to make her decision on whether she wants to become the captain or she wants to act outside of it. So her path, her story isn't done quite yet. Now let's talk about the stylers a bit. I was a little disappointed after the climatic fight with Bushmaster that he just left. And then he had used so much nightshade that he was no longer effective. And he was the shell of the person that he was before. And Sheldon just evacuated everybody back to Jamaica that was left. There's just nobody left. Well, that's what happens when you decide to walk the path of vengeance. You know, there was a point where we talked about Bushmaster had everything and it wasn't enough. Just like with Mariah, Mariah at a point was in a good spot and she made a couple of wrong mistakes. It's one of those things. Bushmaster, you know, he said Mariah had to burn. Well, in return, he ended up being burned as well. He just burned his insides. His organs are practically shot, it seems like. And I think if there was going to be a season three or maybe even season four that he could have come back, he could have revitalized himself or something like that and and come back. But he kind of just slinked off into the ship in the Delaware and moved down to Jamaica. I think it's kind of more fitting that way. It's he spent all this time, all of his life on revenge for something from generations before, you know, and Nancy said a few episodes before. If you are, you know, you'd start on the path on revenge, you got to dig two graves, one for them and one for you. You know, he sees himself as this big dramatic hero. He sees himself as, you know, the underdog. And his story ends with a whimper because this, that's all he's got. That's all his life. And he's not only has he ruined everything for himself. But he's ruined everything for so many people. Just like, again, the Jamaican population of Harlem, an entire restaurant who was collateral damage. From a narrative standpoint, I really, really liked that. It's not like, oh, you, you know, you come and you either don't get revenge and you go out in a blaze of glory or you get revenge and you, you know, you get everything that you ever wanted. It's, it's no, it, that's not really how life tends to work. You realize you, spent years on something that he didn't even you know it's never going to happen it's you are so out of your depth it was sad and i liked it and lauren has some general things to say about the series but before we get to that Haley, i'm going to ask you after watching this season is this one of your favorite seasons or do you have another favorite season in the marvel netflix universe the defenders universe this was really good it's been so long since I watched some of it and some of it I haven't seen yet. I do remember I really liked Jessica Jones, but this is really good too. I, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are my two favorite of the series. So yeah, this is up there. I know we've asked this to our audience before and a lot of them have said Daredevil season one was also pretty big for them. I would have to compare Daredevil to Luke Cage here and, and I would have to actually watch Daredevil season one to get back to that, but I could see that. I think it definitely could. Shall you have any thoughts on that real quick? This was a good season. It made me want more. I think it is like on par, you know, Daredevil season one, Jessica Jones season one and two. I think it was better than the Defender series. Definitely better than Iron Fist. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, I'm sad. I'm sad that we don't get any more Luke Cage. You never know what Disney Plus is going to pick up or not. Also, there was all the Power Man uh, references that I'm sure you guys talked about last week with the um, Power Man and the Iron Fist walking around Harlem. So that was pretty cool. Okay, Lauren, you had some general things you wanted to say, so go for it. Okay. So first of all, I remember I sent you a message when we were just about to start and I couldn't be there that first day. But did y'all ever talk about the use of the Jamaican Patois and particularly the curse words? No. Okay. So first of all, I watch all of the shows with captions on because I can hear just fine. It's just that sometimes understanding when I get really excited gets a little hard. So this is just, it's easy for me. And they actually captioned it in Patois with like the, the way the spelling is and everything. The use of specifically rasclat on the show. So variations of clat in Jamaican Patois are used as like curses, exclamations. You might have seen, if you are on Twitter, Bombo clat written and it has like, you know, and it's kind of the Twitter meaning has now been like, what's your opinion on this? The actual meaning of the word bombo clat, clat means cloth. Bombo is like blood. So technically it's a swear that's just like, uh, you know, a pad, like for a period. Ras clat is again, clot, cloth, and ass for Russ. So it's toilet paper. But it, it's again, it's like, you know, curse words in some languages don't really come across as well in others. Like one of my favorite things about French Canadian swears is it's all religious related stuff. So speaking of Jamaicans, I ended up going on this whole deep dive on the history of Jamaicans specifically in New York City. New York State has 59% of the current, you know, population of Jamaicans in the US, most of that being in New York City. There's various parts of the city where everybody lives. Harlem in particular has a very long history with Jamaicans in terms of contributions towards what we recognize as American culture. The Harlem Renaissance, which took place in Harlem in like the 1920s, a lot of the people there were of Jamaican descent or were first generation immigrants. Notorious B.I.G., whose painting hung on the wall and was a huge deal in like being the whole, you know, symbolic crown, was the son of Jamaican immigrants. And you go and you look at the list of like famous Jamaican personalities, Jamaican American personalities. You have everybody from, uh, I've been watching a lot of wrestling lately. Biggie Langston from WWE is descended. He's, you know, the, the son of Jamaican immigrants, I believe, or grandson. I don't remember right now. You have music artists like, again, Notorious B.I.G., go back and you look and there's like a whole bunch of people who are very influential in the Harlem Renaissance. I'm very excited. My brain is buzzing. So I'm not remembering specific names right now. And you have Teddy Riley, who I think Teddy Riley. Anyway, so the whole thing there is that Jamaicans, yeah, they contributed a whole lot to, you know, music as we know. You wouldn't have rock and roll without the Harlem Renaissance, the golden age then. And the artists that came out of that, the personalities that came out of that. And Harlem, again, has been a center continuing forward 
Sugar mentions that he used to live next door to Teddy Riley. Teddy Riley is a musician and music producer. I mostly know him because I was a huge fan of Blackstreet when I was a kid. He's also produced almost all your favorite music in the past like 30 years. He's currently producing for a bunch of K-pop bands. Like I think he produced for EXO because right now they're having a big like hip hop inspired moment there. Again, it's that whole Jamaican Americans very quietly behind the scenes being responsible for all this stuff, not really getting the credit unless you're in the know. And Mariah's Family First initiative. When I was reading about, you know, aspects of the Harlem Renaissance, one of the big things this. okay, the Harlem Renaissance took place in the 1920s. This is like 50 years after the end of slavery, 50, 60 years. It's within the lifetime, within the generation, couple generations. One of the goals like of the Harlem Renaissance in terms of art, in terms of literature, in terms of music, in terms of politics was to uplift the community. That's kind of what Mariah's family first thing was also trying to do was take this kind of impoverished community, this community that's in the past, like since the 1970s has become hugely gentrified and trying to bring wealth back into that community by the community. And it failed in her case because again, she got in over her head she went in for revenge. She overreached herself, things like that. Just looking at those comparisons, I'm astounded by the writers. I am so happy with the attention that was put into it. I'm so angry that we're not going to see where it goes for season three. Like, I legitimately, as soon as the last episode finished, I punched my couch because I was angry. <sighs> I have so many feelings, y'all. Yeah, earlier this year, before you know the pandemic hit, the showrunner Cheo actually showed up on a panel, and he made some statements saying that he had planned on Luke Cage coming full circle as a character, and he was basing it off of a reboot in the comics that Brian Michael Bendis did that rebooted the characters. So it wasn't following the storyline, but it was after the characters and how they were portrayed in that reboot and that's an article that i've had sitting in our queue from flickeringmyth.com since a while but this was back in february of 2020 and if cheo i'm just gonna call it out right now if cheo ever wants to come on this podcast and talk about what he would have done in the future of the show or actually anything about the show at all we would love to have him and have him clarify things or just talk about the wonderful work that he did putting these two seasons together, including all the music. I mean, he must have gone out of his way to get tremendous musical talent for Harlem's Paradise. And again, music, whenever anyone thinks about the Harlem Renaissance, that's what they think of. They think of like Cab Calloway and the Cotton Club and Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong, who, by the way, the actor who played DW also played Louis Armstrong in Bill and Ted 3. With that influence, you see, again, Luke Cage, music is like at the heart of the show. Every episode, there's a musical performance. Faith Evans has been in two episodes. She's Notorious B.I.G.'s widow. In this episode, Rakim is at the end. He is one of the biggest names from like the golden age of hip hop. And whether it's new artists or older artists or just, you know, we had like Method Man 
referenced and we had dang i forget who it was but another member of wu-tang clan again it's just my brain is so happy with all of this my heart is so happy with all of this i'm very obviously if you're looking at the screen not black i am in fact uh mexican-american but i connect with that feeling of your culture not really being seen and they're digging into this aspect of it that you want to share and you want to be proud of i love it so much and i'm so happy for the black community that this show came along and that people like actual black people got to work on it and give it that authenticity because a lot of times these days there's stuff that's like oh i'm going to write about mexican americans and i am a white person from iowa and it's like there's some experiences you can't really get across unless you're familiar with them this show got the feel it got the sound it got ah i'm just i love it i love it so much i think this might be my favorite of the netflix shows all right that answers that question Haley, if you want to say anything left, now's the opportunity for Luke Cage, this episode or the season or the series. The episode was good. The season was good. The series was good. At the end of this, I was left really looking forward to season three, which we will only have in our hearts and minds. Or maybe someday on Disney Plus. Who knows? Uh, The mouse moves in mysterious ways. But 2020 owes us something. Seriously, <laughs> we all survived 2020. Our reward is that the Netflix shows get resurrected on Disney Plus. I have spoken. All of them? Well, three of them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Danny can come if he stays Danny on can Luke visit. Cage. Yeah. And that was a decent episode with him on this show. That's fine. A little Danny goes a long way. Yeah. Michelle, you get the last word on everything here. I. To go with what Lauren, I am a white woman, in case you haven't, you know, could tell. I appreciate just how black this series is, was. I don't like saying it in the past tense. I, I wanted to go just like how Black Panther was. It's really good when you have voices that have not been heard. And it's like, it's not new. These voices have been around for generations. It's just finally being able to, you know, like Lauren said, there's just not an angle that there's just something you're going to miss. I can't, I couldn't write anything like with like Luke Cage. I don't have that experience. There's layers to it that I would never get. And this show was well, so well done that I felt like I understood some complexities of not just like a fictional world, but just of like our world that I really, it's like you could read about it, but just seeing the way that it it was portrayed and just sort of really getting in there and just learning about our culture, part of our American culture through this series. And I miss, I'm really going to miss it. This is, you know, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are my two favorite when it comes to the Dead Defenders. Those are the two that, yeah. Well, the good news is that we still have one more season of Jessica Jones. The bad news is that will be the last season that we actually cover because that was the last season that went out. We do have three more seasons. Like I said, we have already covered Iron Fist. So the next 
one for us to cover will be Daredevil season three. There is also Punisher and uh, Jessica Jones season three. So that is what we'll be delving into next week. Will be Daredevil season three, episode one, Resurrection, and season three, episode two, Please. So we're looking forward to that. And once again, just tip my hat to Cheo and the entire cast and crew of Luke Cage for putting together a phenomenal piece of work that I watched not once but twice and thoroughly enjoyed both times. Well, we have some news. It's like after this long drought, we're actually getting this downpour. First, we have news about a panel that's streaming from New York Comic Con. Technically, there are two Marvel TV panels there at New York Comic Con that I saw announcements for today. The first one is there will be a MODOK panel with the cast of MODOK. Uh, the only one I know for sure is Patton Oswalt because he retweeted it. At least I think he's in it. Or maybe he just retweeted it because he likes comics, which he's been very upfront about. I don't know. But we will have a panel about MODOK at New York City Comic Con. And we will have a panel. There will be a, a Hellstrom sneak peek, which reminder, Hellstrom drops on Hulu, I think, later now, this month, now that it's October. I want to say it's October 16th, but I can't remember the exact date. Sounds right. And we have a surprise casting possibility for Spider-Man 3. <laughs> oh, God, that reminds me. I forgot to add a story in. But first off, I woke up this morning to see Electro trending on Twitter, and I'm like, the Spider-Man guy? And the answer is yes. According to several sources, the one I linked in the show notes is from insider.com. Jamie Foxx is in talks to reprise his role as Electro in Spider-Man 3. This is not confirmed. But it's also worth noting he would not be the first actor who would come back in a role from a previous iteration with this most recent Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. We saw J.K. Simmons return as J. Jonah Jameson, although more inspired by the <laughs> PS4 game. Which brings us to the news that I forgot to add. I woke up yesterday to Tom Holland trending everywhere because the Spider-Man PS4 game, which I guess is going to be ported to PS5, has been updated to have a new Peter Parker model that went from looking a little kind of like, eh, kind of like Andrew Garfield to basically Tom Holland. There's a lot of speculation that this has to do with the DLC for the Avengers game that came out a few weeks ago, which, by the way, I've been playing. I love. The studio itself says that it's because they changed mocap guys or something like that, so they wanted that to be reflected. Y'all, it looks like Tom Holland. I have no problem <laughs> with this, but apparently the internet exploded yesterday. I was going to say you were saying Tom Holland was trending. Isn't Tom Holland trending every day? I mean, no, why? no, oh. no, only when he's promoting something, because when he promotes something, he doesn't shut his mouth at any point. And then he's <laughs> yeah, always the trending. Frog in his mouth does nothing to keep it back. And some Disney Plus news. Uh, we have a Miss Marvel. <gasps> this made me so happy. OK, I don't know if y'all talked about who they got to be the showrunners for Miss Marvel. I don't remember. No. OK, I'm pulling up the article because I thought y'all had done it because i am lazy okay so the showrunners are actually pakistani american there's adil el arbi bilal fala 
again, I'm very sorry if I am mispronouncing these names. I'm just looking them up right now. Charmin, Obeid, Chinoy, and Mira Minon. One of the directors, I'm blanking out on who, actually has done a documentary that I really, really like called Saving Face about women in Pakistan who have had acid thrown at them and working to uh, change the legislation there and to get cosmetic surgery so that the stigma is lessened. Anyway, on to the actress playing Ms. Marvel. Newcomer Iman Vellani has been tapped. She's 18 or 19. I've seen conflicting sources. She has no on-screen roles that I've seen, but she was chosen to be part of the committee for the Toronto International Film Festival last year. She is a rising star. She looks the part. Again, I've been playing the Avengers games and Miss Marvel is like the audience point of view main character in that game. I am very all about Kamala Khan right now. This has me very hyped. Have you heard if Mindy Kaling is going to have anything to do with it? Because I know she wanted to. I don't know. I know she was excited on Twitter. Kumail Nanjiani, who we will see upcoming in The Eternals, uh, whenever the world stops being on fire for long enough. But he posted he was crying, very excited. Again, like we were saying a bit ago with Luke Cage, it means something when you are from a culture not usually represented and you see yourself on screen. And our final piece of news is another Disney Plus, and seems like Sam Jackson is uh, going to keep working. Yes, he is. So this was announced, I guess, two days ago, yesterday, two days, I don't know. But Variety.com and a few other sources are reporting that Sam Jackson is going to be playing Nick Fury in a Disney Plus show. Kyle Bradstreet is attached to direct and produce. There aren't any other really big, you know, news items about that, but it should be noted, this would be the first regular TV role in Sam Jackson's very long and storied career. Ooh. Yeah, he's always been a movie actor. Well, mm -hmm. he yeah. was on, well, it wasn't a regular, but he was on a couple episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. He's done the occasional, like, guest spot. Yeah. Okay. Have they said if it's going to be current? Nick Fury, or is it going to be the younger, or is it going to be the scroll Nick Fury? <sighs> For cost purposes, I would say I would guess it would be now Nick Fury. But again, there's no information other than this is apparently happening. Is he doing his own series, or is he going to be part of Agents of Sword? Or was that just a rumor? Yes, I, that's a rumor. I think that was so a rumor. The speculation okay. is that because the MCU has been delayed that they're starting to use some short Disney plus series to try to bridge the gap, bridge the story gap over. So you're absolutely correct. This could be a lead in to agents of sword just because of the phase, whatever we're in four or five of the MCU. Four. Yeah. Again, all we have right now is apparently it's happening and apparently he's going to be in it for both this and like every story I've seen about, oh, so-and-so is going to be in this. It's like their agent did not respond. And it's like, yeah, no, they wouldn't until negotiations are complete and the checks are signed. So, well, and who knows when they're actually going to film this stuff too, because filming has been delayed because you got to go into a bubble. Everybody's got to get tested. And Have you all seen the pits? They've started filming Falcon and Winter Soldier again. And I saw a meme the other day. It's like you in 2014 and it's, you know, Bucky Barnes with the the mask and then you in 2020 and it's short haired Bucky Barnes with an actual like, you know, mask. 
Look, it's a tough year. We got to take humor where we find it. Oh, indeed we do. And that's our news for the week. Okay, so first up, uh, there was a prop sale, apparently. Yeah, a Donna girl at Twitter messaged us, as she does, thank you so much for that, and said, I have no money for anything in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. auction, but I kind of want the catalog for the pictures and descriptions with a link to the auction, the catalog, everything. And uh, yeah, I would love the catalog just for the pictures. And, you know, this would be so great for cosplayers, like the she linked some of the pictures and there's you know there's the shotgun axe there's bobby's outfit there's one of the comic booky looking jumpsuits from this past season when they go to the lighthouse in the past there's a colson outfit with some id oh it looks cool and it's gonna cost a lot of money but you know i would actually kind of want one of the loose fitting jumpsuits because it's probably the only <laughs> wardrobe thing that would actually fit i bet it would be comfy i bet it would Way better than footy pajamas. We didn't, I don't think we talked about it in our final episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If there was, I think we mentioned it, but I don't think any of us like settled on anything that we would want from the series in terms of an auction or whatever. And I don't know. I think the toolbox would probably be what I would want, but I got a replica. So why would I want something that I'm going to have to You can get the catalog for $45. Yeah. It's a nice catalog. It really yeah. is. Look real good on your coffee table. I don't know what I'd want. I know, just everything in there. I'm like, oh, I want that shotgun axe, but it's not even in my price range. We also have some feedback from YouTube from our uh, season seven, episode 11 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, where F. Smittick said, best AOS podcasters ever, to which I say, heart hands. That's Thank us. you very much. That was awesome for you to stay with us all those years watching us on YouTube <laughs> talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right. That's all the feedback we have for this week. I think it's time for us to uh, just go to Harlem's Paradise and listen to some music and get on out of here. What do you guys think? Sounds good. All right. SP's go. buying the drinks, right? As I've always bought you drinks. Always. First of all, I want to say thank you very much to our very own Agent Michelle, who has single-handedly kept this podcast going the past couple of weeks, and honestly, throughout the entire series, doing all the show notes and everything. So thank you very much, Michelle. You're welcome. I'm okay. I was not expecting that, obviously. So no, I, yeah. Thank you. I had no idea you. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. I'm. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you very much, because with, without all your work, none of this would really happen. So thank you very much. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers who have continued to download, continued to talk back and forth with us on our Discord and on Twitter. So thank you very much for that. And we look forward to what you think about Daredevil Season 3 coming up. But if you have anything at all to say about Luke Cage, please let us know. Get in touch with us and we will put it on a future show. Thank you to everybody who's gotten a hold of us, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on YouTube comments, again, Discord. 
We love hearing from y'all. It's just every time I see somebody's comment, it makes me so happy. Thank you, especially to, again, getting on the hype train here, the, the gratitude train. Thank you to Michelle for keeping us going. Thank you to SP for the thankless job of editing and getting the cameras all set up. Thank you to Haley for being such a joy. And I am very glad to be back. It's good to have you back. Thank you to Lauren for being back and being excited about everything. I like that you get properly excited about things. Thank you to SP for buying me a drink the very first time I met him and probably every time again since I've met him and doing stuff on the podcast too. Yeah, thank you to Michelle for doing all the stuff behind the scenes that she does. Thank you to my friend Jose for getting my computer working again so I could podcast properly. And thank you to everybody that enjoys the podcast that we put out for you as a team. Thank you to Lauren. Lauren, I'm so happy that you're back because no one else does like the deep dive stuff that you do. And, you know, that whole thing with the Jamaican language and stuff. That's why I actually, you know, we saw that note in there and I actually said, no, we're not talking about it because that is a very Lauren thing. And I knew <laughs> really only you could have done it justice. And that's why I'm just like, no, she shut it down for like three weeks. She said, no, <laughs> we're going to wait for Lauren to come back. And yeah. Thank you to Haley and SP and Lauren for bringing on me as a consultant and then surprising me by becoming an agent and SP for the editing and pushing the buttons. I pushed the buttons for two weeks, so I know what you have to do in order to set this up and everything. So, yeah, you got to get your, you know, your finger clicking and your thumb clicking. You got to, you know, do some pre-show exercises to get them warm stretching up. it's like the world's tiniest weights just stretching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well thank you very much to everybody and until next time i'm producer of the show sp i'm agent haley i'm agent lauren and i'm agent michelle see everybody next time as we talk daredevil bye bye Bye-bye. bye thank you for listening If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunnageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hello. How are you feeling? Oh, so much better. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I can actually like sit now. It's great. Wow. Just being able to sit. That's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's fantastic. Like right after the surgery, it already felt better. And then there was the muscle pain, which sucked and it's still kind of there. And it's still sore because, you know, the bone is growing into the screws right now. But I can like move. I can sit up and play video games. Wow. I've done a couple of auditions, so...
So what what exactly did they do? Okay. So they went in through the side of my butt. And the way this particular procedure works is there's these three triangle-shaped screws, like long triangles. And um, they drill a hole in the bone. So here's your tailbone and here's your hip. And it goes like through both. And it's kind of like a, a porous titanium screw that they hammer in there. So over the course of the next few months, the bone's going to be going through there. And yeah, it's, uh, it was a bit unpleasant at first, but so far, even the worst pain that I've had is nothing compared to what it was before. I'm very excited. I'm very, I've been, I've been trying to do all the things and I'm very lucky that I have Scott here to be like, no, please, for the love of God. Don't do all the things. Yeah. Well, I already, I need to give Chrissy, a Donna girl, her crutches back because I was sick of the crutches by the end of the first week, ended up using one for a while. And then now I'm just, I've promised I'll use the cane outside of the house. (laughs) But other than that, I'm just, I'm walking. It's great. Yay. Yeah. I'm still really deconditioned. And after I walk for, I mean, to the mailbox and back, it starts to get kind of sore, but it's getting there. And yeah, I have, um, the six week follow up, like in two weeks, I think. Nice. And then they'll be like, okay, we'll see if you need physical therapy. So, <laughs> so happy. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. How have you been? How's. I've missed uh, everybody. <laughs> I know, we've missed you too. Yeah, it's kind of weird. One of the school districts is on fire. So I've been getting emails from students like I got, you know, I didn't know like what happened over the weekend. And then Monday, Tuesday, I'm just uh, getting these emails and and it's like, yeah, we're evacuating and, you know, and all this type of stuff. And I'm just like, oh, like, I don't know what I'm going to be. And I'm just like, focus on your safety. Like, yeah, like, yeah, it's like I have a school district on fire. Yep. That was the fun I had today. I was like, oh, okay, well, Joy. maybe then I can come home and watch five episodes of Luke Cage. Yeah, the past <laughs> couple of days have just been like Luke Cage, Luke Cage, wrestling, Luke Cage, wrestling, 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 Luke Cage. <laughs> Wearing my John Moxley shirt tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, Lauren, but I, I was thinking episodes nine and ten were the, were the climax. They were the best episodes of the season. I kind of agreed, but this one, oh, I'm going to talk about it, but I'm so mad there's no season three now. Yeah. I, I know. They set it up great. Yeah. I, I was watching and like actually taking notes. I was like, I have so many things to say about the research they did and the, everything. So I went up to Wisconsin and spent the bulk of the time with my dad, although my mom brought my little sister up. She's the mentally handicapped one. Near the end, I think she was waiting to make sure that I showed no symptoms by the time that my sister got up there. So they were up there. And then my other sister, who's very vigilant about her exposure, working supposedly with little kids, except for she's doing it over Zoom calls and FaceTimes and whatever right now. 
she's an OT. She diagnosed slow kids with uh, different special needs yeah. as they go into their school years. So this is kind of a busy time of the year for her. But anyway, she had a couple hours off, so or she had the whole day off or, or something. So she came up for two hours and she brought her two dogs, both labs. One's like they're both like distant relatives of each other, but one is like 40 pounds, maybe 50 pounds, 45 pounds. The other is 120 pounds. Aww. That was the monstrosity that I brought up over Christmas. So that, you know, two different dogs. Anyway, they both love being up there. And so she's up there for two hours with them. And then she takes them on a little walk into the woods. And within five minutes of getting there, they found the first gigantic mud puddle. Oh, and just rolled around into it. So they got baths right afterwards and were put on leashes so they could not find said mud puddles after that. <laughs> that was my uh, animal fix. That wasn't <laughs> deer, chipmunks, or squirrels over the past couple of weeks. The pictures you were posting on, in- on Instagram were great. I got a couple left that I'm going to post. Obviously, I've been back since Saturday. I had to break down and buy an air purifier mm. because I'm allergic to the outside. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, we may have to do that sometime soon. Cedar season is coming up here in the hill country in Texas, and I am very, very, very allergic to cedar. Like every time we would come for Thanksgiving to visit my in-laws, I just for like a week afterwards it was like i had the flu so i need to find an allergist and yeah see what else i need to do yeah because i'm like why am i so tired and then i realized that i'm having an asthma attack i don't have mm. i have to realize i don't have like the tight overdramatic asthma attacks i have the subtle one and it's like so and on a, when you do your inhaler for four days in a row multiple times a day it's not good no, that is true, Lauren. I was like, no, we're, no, it's a Lauren thing. <laughs> I texted SP that day. I was like, okay, I have these very specific things to say about Jamaican cussing. I kept bringing it up because we didn't know when you're going to be back. So I kept bringing it up and it was, she was like, nope, nope, that's got to be Lauren. I'm like, okay, well, I get that too. I would have been back last week, but I forget what happened. Oh, I was just behind on the episodes, I think is what it was. I've, I've been there before. There yeah. were times where it's like, I haven't been on in like three weeks, but I can be on tonight. But I was like, oh, I've got to watch like 10 episodes. Yeah, I, I had the five episodes to watch. But honestly, if I wasn't sent home from work because of the COVID exposure, I would have been able to watch the final episode because I'd already seen the season. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't, that would have been, I would have been on on 2X or higher on the computer here trying to watch it. and. Some of the episodes are good for that. Some of them are not. Yeah, I was like, oh, I want to pay attention. I started trying to watch it one and a half. And then I was like, but I want to pay attention. No, for something that you enjoy, like 1.25 is about as fast as you can go. Yeah, I could go 1.5, but I have to I have to really be. It has to be a show without accents for me to go that fast. I know I can't watch Doctor Who at 1.5. Oh, oh that gosh. would be interesting. I can't watch Doctor Who without uh, the closed <laughs> captions. Yeah, My parents have gotten really into PBS and BBC dramas over the quarantine. But the thing is, they are very, very bad with accents. So, yeah, they have to have the captions on. Otherwise, they have no clue what anyone's saying. 
I got my dad into a couple of YouTube channels. They were both car based, actually. And he's like, yeah, this guy's really funny. I'm like, yeah, dad, he's 15 minutes down the road. He's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, actually, from the lake, he was 15. His shop is 15 minutes down the road. I'm like, yeah, actually, he's 15 minutes on the road. Could we go see him? I'm like, no, dad. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, don't don't be that fan. But you're also on YouTube. I'm like, yeah, dad. So is 100,000 other people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like oh, we you're all on do it YouTube, from the room. you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you you go to the university of of minnesota there's only eighty five thousand other students there Do you, you know you happen to know no no i don't that's a standard answer no no amusingly enough in godfather one of the big things that especially became a thing in godfather 2 i'm sorry my cat is attacking my arm um <laughs> but anyway this okay the harlem renaissance took place in 1920s this is like you know 50 sorry my cat is annoying this is like 50 years after the end of slavery legends of shield is copyright 2013 through 2020